Have you ever had a song stuck in your head? And sometimes you just can't get rid of it. And sometimes if you've got a voice like mine, to the detriment of those around you, you just kind of need to sing it, right? I am very grateful to God that in the early formative years after my decision to follow him, a song was deposited in me that I have come back to time and time again. It's an old worship chorus that has very few lyrics, but the lyrics that it does have are incredibly powerful. They are, and you may know this, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. And I can look back over my life over the years and seen incredible opportunities that I've said yes to because I've decided to follow Jesus. And I can look back over my life and seen incredible temptations that part of me have wanted to succumb to, but I've said no because I have decided to follow Jesus. There have been challenges ahead that I filtered through this filter of whether it was something that Jesus would do because I have decided to follow Jesus. This new year, there will be opportunities, there will be challenges, there will be temptations that we know not of. But there is one thing that we must anchor ourselves in, and that is that we make a decision, come what may, to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. Recently, I decided to look at some of the origins of this song, It's been embedded in me, so I might as well understand where it came from. I was glad I did. In the late 1800s, there was a Welshman called Evan Roberts who believed that God wanted to bring revival to Wales. And so for 10 years straight, every day, he and some friends climbed up the Welsh mountains, and prayed for revival in Wales. Then at the turn of the 19th century, it came. And you may have heard about it, you may have read about it, but in 1904 and 05, everything in Wales changed because people started to follow Jesus. It affected every sphere of life. In fact, one of my favorite stories from the Welsh revival is of all the coal miners who would work in the pits and they would have these donkeys that would travel down with them to bring the coal back out. And these salty Welshmen used to motivate the donkeys to move by using some well-chosen curse words. But these men gave their life to Jesus and they cleaned up their language And the donkeys didn't know how to move when the Welsh coal miners asked them politely. 
God was doing incredible things in Wales. One of the things was that he was sending people all around the world to speak life and truth of Jesus there. And there was one family who went to India and they stayed there and they served there for 10 years telling people about Jesus and the hope that he offers and how that he can change lives. But the fruit of their ministry was nothing like the revival they'd seen in Wales. And there were just a couple of folks who made decisions to follow Christ. And so after 10 years, they said, let's, let's go home. And they did. But one of the handful of people that they led to Christ, who made a decision to follow Jesus, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he and his family traveled around India telling this life-changing, life-saving message of Jesus to the peoples in all the regions. Many, many people came to put their faith in Christ. One man prays, a nation is changed. That nation sends out a missionary who by all accounts fails, but he leads one person to Christ and that person goes around India and leads many to Christ. And that caused much opposition. The authorities, the cultural leaders, The religious leaders didn't like this message of Jesus that was flipping the status quo. So they came to this Indian convert and says, hey, you got to stop. She says, I can't. And so they turned up the heat a little bit. They brought his wife before them with him. He said, look, you got to you got to stop talking about Jesus. We need you to renounce your faith or we're going to kill your wife. He and his wife, the story goes, locked eyes. She nodded at him. And he says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Right there, they killed his wife. I have decided to follow Jesus. Next, they bring his children before him. His grown children. and says, look, you you need to renounce your faith. Or as has happened to your wife will happen to your children. He looks at his kids. His kids said, dad, it's okay. And he looks at his accusers and he says, the world is behind me and the cross is before me. It's the second verse of that song. They kill his kids. They say, now it's your turn. You either renounce your faith in Christ or you will die. And he looked at them. And he said the lyrics that have become the third verse of this song. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. And then they killed him. In his death and the death of his children and his wife, 
The gospel went even further and even deeper among the people of India. Because a series of men and women had said, I have decided to follow Jesus. The world behind me, the cross before me, my cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. I don't know what this year will bring. I'm pretty sure that for most of us here and most of us watching, that story isn't our story. What do I acknowledge? That even today, that story is many Christians' story around the world. But it probably won't be ours. But there will be challenges and temptations and opportunities and difficulties before us when we have to make the decision about who we're going to follow, whose team we're going to be on, and what we're going to stand for. I have decided to follow Jesus. This is a song that was based on a profound experience. Some will argue that the lyrics of this song are not theologically correct. But I would argue because God has decided for you and with you, we have to make a decision for him. As we go into this new year, I want you to know that God has already decided about you. He's decided that he loves you, that he wants you as your own, that he cares for you, that he has plans for you. God has decided that he loves you. We have a response to make, and I pray that we will decide to follow Jesus. Decisions determine our direction, and our direction determines our destiny. I have decided to follow Jesus. Have you? Will you? want to add some weight some theology to the emotion of the story. And to do so, I'd like you to turn to Matthew chapter 16. Because within these words is that story, and within this story is the commitment that we need to decide upon to follow Jesus. Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 13. When Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, asked Jesus, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Our answer to that question determines 
everything we need to know about ourselves. They were in Caesarea Philippi. This was a very busy town. It was a town that had many small G gods. And there, there was a temple to Baal where people could come and worship. There were shrines to the god Pan. Herod had built a temple there. Everywhere you looked, there was an icon of Greek or Roman culture everywhere. It was almost like they were standing in Times Square. I don't know if you've been to Times Square, but there's so many lights and so many distractions and so many things that are inviting you to follow them. And it's in that context that Jesus says, who do people say that I am? Jesus isn't asking the question out of ego or concern for his personal brand. He's asking the question because in the middle of a world full of false gods, he loves us enough to want to ensure that we follow the true and living God. Who do people say I am? Some say John the Baptist. Herod believed for a while that Jesus was John the Baptist reincarnated and that rumor had got some traction. Some said Elijah, the prophet. Some saw Jesus' compassion and they said, some people think you're Jeremiah, the, the weeping prophet. And Jesus kind of narrows the focus a little bit. He's in good company. But he knows that if people are just following him based on what other people are saying, then they're missing the point. He says, who do you say I am? That you is plural. He's talking to everybody. And Peter, the spokesman, sets up. He says, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. He's saying, Jesus, you are everything that we have been waiting for for hundreds of years. You are the Messiah, the one who has come to save us. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. It's interesting he uses this phrase, living God, because he's standing in the middle of a town that has shrines to dead gods all around him. And all the lights go off. Ding, 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 ding. You got it, Peter. You're right. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father in heaven did. Peter, you know that I am the Messiah, the Son of God, not because you've been listening to all the stuff around you, but because God revealed it to you. You've got it. You're right. And so I say to you, Peter, that on this rock, the rock of Jesus, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Whatever comes against my church, against my people, will not win. 
Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loosen on earth will be loosened in heaven. Peter, I'm giving you permission. I'm giving you authority. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. As Peter's life panned out, he used these kingdom keys to unlock the gospel to the Greeks. Then a little bit later in Acts to the Gentiles and then to the the whole world. God gives him a new name. He builds his church upon him. He gives him authority and his keys to the kingdom. Why? Because Peter decided to follow Jesus. One of the reasons we must decide to follow Jesus is because of what we get when we do and because of what we miss when we don't. Peter says, I'm deciding to follow Jesus. I am deciding to follow Jesus. The story continues, verse 21. From then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary to go to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was another of these big cities with lots of activity, with lots of hustle and bustle, with lots of other attractions that would try to capture the disciples' heart. But Jesus is confident that they can go to Jerusalem because they've decided to follow Jesus, right? Who are you? You're the Messiah, the Son of God. I'm deciding to follow you, Peter said. Jesus says, great, let's go to Jerusalem. And while we're in Jerusalem, we will suffer many things from elders, chief priests, and scribes. I will be killed and raised on the third day. I've decided to follow Jesus, Peter says. Jesus says, great, because things are going to get real tough. You notice what Peter does next. He reverses his decision to follow Jesus. His intentions were good. His intentions were right and holy. But it says in verse 22, Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Just think about that statement. Peter says, I've decided to follow you. But by the way, Jesus, we need to talk about the clauses. We need to talk about the small print in this this contract. So would you come with me? And they go aside from the crowd and have this little conversation where it says, Peter rebuked Jesus. Oh, no, Lord, this will never happen to you. Now, I'm sure his intention was good, his motive was right, but his action was incredibly wrong. Because this action demonstrates that even though he had verbally made a decision to follow Jesus, he was actually asking Jesus to follow him. 
I have decided to follow Jesus. The, the, the second verse in the song says, the world behind me, the cross before me. But what Peter was doing in this moment is he was actually putting the world first and following Jesus second. Well, let me demonstrate what that means. Adam, if you would come here for a second, and I want you to be Jesus. That is not a stretch, right? Hold the cross, right? You can be Jesus. If I'm following Jesus, I'm standing behind Jesus, right? Because the cross is in front of me and the world is behind me. But in this moment, what Peter is doing is he's saying, Jesus, let's have a word. What you say isn't going to happen. And I'm putting myself first. And in that moment, the cross is behind him and the world is in front of him, right? This posture that we're in right now is not what a decision to follow Jesus looks like. I have decided to follow Jesus, therefore I don't get to tell Jesus what to do or where to go. I don't position myself in front of him asking him to follow me. I say, Jesus, you lead, I'll follow. And that's exactly what happens in this scripture. Adam, you, you can do this. Jesus turned to him and said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> I'm sure it happened just like that. And Jesus goes on to say, you are a hindrance to me because you are not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Thank you, Adam. You are a great Jesus. <laughs> You should spend the rest of your life trying to become more like him. <laughs> I have decided to follow Jesus, says this song. The next verse says, the world behind me, the cross before me. Here's the deal. We get that confused, right? Just like Peter. No, Jesus, you stand behind me. You come with me. You bless what I do. And Jesus says, get behind me. That's not going to be best for you. Let me lead. Keep the cross before you, the world in your rearview mirror, and follow me. I have decided to follow Jesus, Peter says. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It means we keep the cross before us and the world behind us, not the other way around. Jesus does this course correction, this behavior correction. We pick it up in verse 24. Everyone's in right alignment, and Jesus says this to his disciples. If any of you wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if they gain the whole world yet lose their life? This word life is where we get the term soul. 
Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man is coming with his angels in the glory of the Father, and then he will reward each one to what he has done. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming into his kingdom. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. The third verse of that song says this, My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. For the man who penned those words, as he was looking over the deceased body of his family and facing those who would kill him, he looks them in the eye and says, my cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. It would not be long before he sees Jesus. And he's prepared to carry his cross to do so. Deciding to follow Jesus means that we carry our cross It means that we deny ourselves, that we dethrone us so that we can enthrone him as the Lord of our life. It means we say no to the things of this world and to the selfish desires that want to eat us. It means we say yes to the things of God. We deny ourselves. We take up our cross. We choose the way of sacrifice and service and submission. And we follow him. We do not make that mistake Peter made of standing in front of Jesus and saying, this isn't going to happen. We follow We follow my cross. I'll carry till I see Jesus. Jesus goes on to explain why that's important. He says, look around Jerusalem. Look at all this cool stuff. You could probably have it all, but if you got it all, you would you would lose your soul. And let me tell you, the most important thing about you is your soul, and you don't want to lose that. Or maybe their minds flash back to Caesarea, and they see all the altars to the unknown gods. And you could worship them, but they're not going to get you anywhere to get where you want, to get what you need. You have to follow me. It's about a hundred years ago now that that song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus, was written. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus, no turning back. It's about a hundred years ago, but it was 2,000 years ago that Jesus first made the invitation to make a decision to follow him. As we begin this new year, 
There will be all kinds of decisions that you are asked to make. There will be all kinds of choices and opportunities and options and temptations, some really good, some really bad. But this year, everything that happens to us will serve us best if we run it through the filter of following Jesus. I am deciding to follow Jesus. Every opportunity, challenge, hurt, pain, struggle. Let me run it through the filter of having decided to follow Jesus. As we begin this new year, I want to invite you to make a decision that will make sense of whatever this next year brings, a decision to follow Jesus, to follow one who loves you, to follow one who knows what's best for you, to follow the one who is the way and the truth and the life, to follow the one who forgives you, to follow the one who allows you to know and see and experience the power and the presence of God, come what may. hundred years ago, a song was written, I have decided to follow Jesus. 2,000 years ago, people made a commitment, a decision to follow Jesus. Today, at the start of a new year, would you... Make a decision to follow Jesus.